Today's reading is from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping 
and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been there four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Brian, for reading that very long passage. There are probably 10,000 sermons in that passage alone. I'm going to try and just preach one. <clears throat> when I was uh, just starting out in ordained ministry and I had uh, been appointed to my first church and I had my first funeral, I was quite nervous. I didn't know what I was doing. And I had consulted friends and pastors and colleagues and I got all the information I could about how to conduct a funeral. I had my fresh out of the package clergy shirt on. I had my newly minted book of worship that had everything marked as to which page I needed to turn to. We had the service in Smith and Smith Funeral Home I got in afterwards, they brought the casket into the hearse. I got in the front seat with the funeral director. By the way, I know there are some seminarians here. We have a lot to learn from funeral directors. Sit in the front seat often, don't drive on your own. Sit with them and just learn from them. They've got a wealth of wisdom. So I, we were on our way to the cemetery and I had my pages all marked. I was ready to go when we got out. And the funeral director said to me, do you want any sand or any water? I could not, for the life of me, understand what he was asking. And I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> what, what, what would I need sand or water for? He said, oh, well, sometimes pastors and priests like to throw some sand on the casket or sprinkle water on the casket. I said, no, I, I, I don't think I need any of that. 
It, it opened my eyes to not presume anything. There are a lot of different ways that we human beings and we different people of different cultures handle death and burial. In this particular burial that we heard, Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, had died. When I was a kid, our church took a, a number of us to the Holy Land. This was back in the in the 70s, and we went, and I remember going, vividly remember going to Lazarus' tomb, at least what was purported to be Lazarus' tomb. It was on, on this kind of long, narrow street, and right on the street side, there was a, a hand-hewn cave that went into the rock. It was a, a doorway, and then a long set of stairs that went down into this tomb where Lazarus was supposedly buried. In the front of the door, there was, a, there was a gap between the door frame and the road. And in that hewn rock, there would have been a large rock either rolled in front of the tomb door or slid in front of the tomb door. And then there would have been a seal put around the rock and the door. The seal was so that no stench could get out because when bodies decompose, they smell. When Jesus got there, he was told, oh, don't go there, don't unseal the tomb, because Lazarus has been dead four days. That's when there really is a bad stench. And in the Jewish belief at the time, the soul left the body after the third day. So the soul was nowhere near the body of Lazarus. When Jesus brings Lazarus back to life, this is not a resuscitation. This is a resurrection. And in the Gospel of John, this is what starts the mechanisms to get Jesus killed. In the other synoptic Gospels, it is when Jesus overthrows the money changers' uh, tables in the temple. That's what starts the powerful people saying, we've got to kill this one because he's messing with our financial system. In the Gospel of John, it's when he raises Lazarus from the dead. When the people in power say, this kind of love we can't control. This kind of power we can't control. We need to take this Jesus out. We need to kill Jesus. And you can hear in the scriptures, this is where the plot begins to kill Jesus. Because this love that brings life out of death confounds us and scares us and threatens us. It's also a precursor to Jesus' own death and resurrection. We're we're reading this today before next week when it is Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday when we as a Chatham United Methodist Church will continue that tradition of passing that long, big, heavy cross all the way around the sanctuary and we will put our baggage on that cross, that, that which we want to let go of and that will begin our time of Holy Week. When we remember that we have been baptized into this rhythm of the Paschal Mystery, 
Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and that we're all part of this rhythm of death and resurrection, and it has been like this for 14.5 billion years, death and resurrection, death and resurrection. And today's passage points us again to that language of God, death and resurrection. You know, not a week goes by that we're not touched at some level by someone we know or someone we love who is going through this cycle of death and resurrection. We as a congregation are going through this now with the death of Lauren Taylor this week. And I know many of us are, are feeling a, a weight of that, a, a sadness of that, because we knew and we loved Lauren and he was uh, larger than life in this congregation. And we're invited to trust that his death too will result in resurrection at some level in our midst, in this earthly life. We will celebrate Lauren's life and resurrection this coming Saturday at 11 o'clock right here in this sanctuary. Um, and we will lean on our faith that we're all a part of this rhythm of death and resurrection. God always bringing new life out of every death, out of every loss. But death, it shakes us up. It stops us in our tracks. It turns things upside down. It inconveniences us. It changes our schedules. It changes the way we look at life. Death has a way of confounding us, humbling us, making it difficult to get things done. Some of you who have gone through this landscape, you know what it's like to just have someone you have loved not there anymore, and, and, and it's, it's hard to make any decisions about anything. And sometimes it feels like we're walking through a vat of cold oatmeal. Hmm? And we just, we just can't move. We try to move. Our brain says to do something, but we, we can't. We're just stuck in the oatmeal. Some of us may be there even now. When we walk through that valley of the shadow of death, very often good questions come up. Natural questions like, God, if you were here, X, Y, and Z would not have happened. God, if you were really God, this person would not have suffered and would not have died. Natural questions to ask. Good questions. Faithful questions. Good and faithful people ask those questions. Mary and Martha asked Jesus himself that question. What took you so long? Why weren't you here? Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. These are good questions. But the risk of asking those questions is that we never see it through to the answers that Jesus gives. And good and faithful people have left the church over that question. And good and faithful people, or let me put it this way, Spiritual but not religious people don't even come to church because they've not heard a good answer to that question. 
Why is it that bad things have happened? God, where were you when this happened? God, why didn't you stop this from happening? Good questions. But keep asking and keep seeking because the more we follow Jesus, the more we get answers to that question. Do you see what Jesus does? In this passage, he he comes to Mary and Martha. He sees their sorrow. He walks with them. He weeps with them. And then he says to them, take me to the place, the source of your greatest sorrow. Take me to the tomb. Take me to, to Lazarus. Or at least his body. This is the God image. This Jesus is the face of God who walks with us in our sadness and in our loss. Who weeps with us when we cry. And who says, take me to your greatest pain and I will be there with you. James Finley, who's one of the great wisdom Christians of our time, said this, and I'm beginning to realize the truth of it. God protects us from nothing, and God sustains us in everything. Let me say this again, and it may shake somebody's faith, but think about it. It may help us get to better questions and better answers than God, where were you? God protects us from nothing. God sustains us in everything. And so... They roll away the stone. There's a stench. Jesus is willing even to face the stink, the stench of our own lives, our own losses. And Jesus says to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, still bound by the cloths of his own death and embalming, stands at the tomb entrance. And then Jesus says to the people gathered there, unbind him and let him go. Now, in closing, there may be two words of the Lord for us. We may be in the tomb We may be dealing with our own struggles, our own deaths, our own despair, our own darkness, our own stuckness, our own loneliness, the tombs of our own hopelessness. We may be stuck in the tomb of the darkness of unknowing, where we don't know what to think about anything anymore. And sometimes good and faithful people are there. If we are there, then the voice of Christ to us calls us 
by name and says, come out. Come out of that place of despair. Come out of that place of loss. Come out of that place of unknowing. Come out of that place of fear. Come out of that place of despair and alienation. Come out. Would you just speak your name on the count of three? One, two, three. Come out. Say your name again. Come out. Come out. Come out into the light of God's love. Come out so that others can walk with you and you do not need to go this journey alone. If you are not in the tomb of some difficult space, then this is the word of the Lord to you. Jesus says to the people gathered around that empty tomb, unbind him and let him go. Our job as followers of Jesus, as people who long to listen to the voice of Jesus and have the guts to follow through on what Jesus asks of us. Jesus says to us, help someone who's in the tomb. Help them, unbind them, and let them go. Walk with them. Help them to untangle themselves from a place of loneliness, guilt, shame, feeling judged, feeling unforgiven. Help them by forgiving them. Help them by not judging them. Help them by saying, your guilt has no place. You are the beloved sons and daughters of God. Unbind them. Unbind her. Unbind him. Wherever we are, Christ's voice is good news to us. Come out. Unbind them. Let them go. Amen.